This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I want to speak to you this morning on something that I've titled, ironically, Open the Eyes of My Heart. So, um, I'm going to start off by reading from Acts chapter 9. And I'm going to read from verses 1 to 5. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples, of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogue of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? I've spoken about on this one a few times, and the reason is because it's one of my best passages in the whole Bible. And I'll explain to you why. God loves you so much, he wants to be a part of your life. I heard that from the earliest times when I first became a Christian. Actually, before I became a Christian, I heard that. And although I, I heard it, I didn't understand it. Actually, it was actually, it's really become quite recent that I've really begun to understand how he really wants to infiltrate and become my life. And there is a way that God wants to do that. God is not just sitting saying, I love you. God is not saying, I have a plan and a purpose for your life. God is not just talking randomly and offering um, incentives to our life. What he's doing is he's expressing to us his intention for us to experience what he has for us. And I heard so much stuff when I was younger. And I think that the difficulty for me, and you're probably a lot smarter than me, so you you got it quicker than me. But because we're talking about the spirit realm, it seemed to be a dimension that was inaccessible. Like spirit stuff is just like it's stuff that's out there somewhere. And the terrible thing about spirit stuff is that, honestly, there were a lot of pastors that I don't think really understood it because it was so easy to write stuff off to something in the spirit. Or you just use a little cliche, but I don't think people always understood exactly what it meant. It, it was like, you know, walk in the spirit. It's like, okay, well, that's great. I mean, no Christian says I don't agree with that, but it's like, are you doing it? And how do I do it? If I'm somebody who says I want to do that, how do I do that? And so I want to get into, I want to get into the, like at a grassroots level what that's all about. Because it, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm discovering so much about how God cares for us and he's so patient with us when we're not the smartest creatures. <laughs> I'm talking for myself. That's why you can laugh. But he wants to do something in your life. And the amazing thing and part of the reason that I love the scripture so much and why I love this thing, because it it points to something that was so transformational and so poignant in Saul's life. And it was he had an encounter with God. And what I want to speak about over the, the next little while is if you don't have an encounter with God, all you'll ever have is religion. I've got to have an encounter with God. Everything starts in my ability to be able to relate to him. I have the capacity and the ability to be able to relate to my world because he's given me senses. 
And he's given me the ability to understand and, and to, re to read and to hear and, and to grasp those things that are happening out in my world and to take those things and to assimilate them and to put them into my brain and my brain takes them and spits them out into my mind. My brain is everything to do with my natural realm and the interpretation of what's happening in my environment. It takes that input, that stimulus, that information, those facts, and it imparts it to my brain, to my mind. Your mind is spiritual. This was one of the hugest revelations to me. Because the thing about it is, I used to think that my mind was my brain. And I struggled with that because then I couldn't differentiate between spirit and natural. And yet the thing is, when you're able to take the things of the mind and understand that God has created you as a rational being, because that's what he is. I'll get into that. It, it, it introduces us to the opportunity, opportunity that God has established within us, the wherewithal to be able to grab a hold of who he is, have relationship with him, allow him to use revelation, impartation, spirit to spirit into who I am. And as that moves into that space, what it does is it bursts something called knowledge, knowledge of him. Knowledge that he is the source of. And knowledge is important because knowledge begins to define my understanding. Understanding is fundamental because understanding is the building blocks to your identity. When we talk about God wants to renew your mind, what he's saying is, I want to get into the very fabric of who you are as a person. And I want it to, to be defined for me as a source. And when I come into that place, what ends up happening is everything that used to constitute that space is going to be redefined by spirit, is going to be redefined by me, is going to be redefined by truth. And as it's redefined by truth, what ends up happening is my understanding, that place from which I live, and gain a concept and an appreciation for who God is and who I am and for what life is all about is going to become something which is defined by his substance. So when he talks about being renewed in your mind, he's talking about there is a process that leads there, but ultimately he's talking about who you are. When he talks about being renewed in your mind, he's talking your identity. And there is a plan behind your identity to be conformed to the image of Christ. What he's saying is, as different aspects of who you are are influenced by me and my nature and my character, what ends up happening is it takes you to a place where when you begin to change and conform to what I've imparted to you, you begin to take on the mind of Christ. What he's talking about is Christ's identity is being born in you. That's your destiny. He is the source of your destiny. It becomes so important to us because when we move to a, an understanding of the fact that when my mind, my identity is made new and I'm able to grab a hold of and step into the mind of Christ, an identity defined by who he is, and I begin to live from that place, what ends up happening is I begin to live from spirit. And suddenly I'm introduced to what it means to live a life walking in the spirit. Galatians 5.25 says, if you live in the flesh, uh, if you live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. If you live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. 
What it's saying is this. It's an invitation to understand that the very foundation of who we are, how we live, is to be defined by who he is. And when he begins to redefine that space and he takes over ownership of that space and he begins to introduce the character of who Christ is into that space, what ends up happening is I begin to live from that space. And it shifts and changes my comprehension and my perspective on life and on myself and on God. Because all of a sudden, the building blocks and those things that form the filter of my life are defined by who he is. And I begin to see things clearly. See things clearly. In that space, I begin to realize that when we're talking about walking in the Spirit, it's not some airy, fairy, nebulous thing. It's not just sitting. You know, the wonderful thing about God is we serve a miraculous God. And there's something wonderful about that. And there is a mystery to, to who God is that we will never be able to fully grasp. And yet the thing about it is God doesn't leave us in a space of mystery all the time. What he does is he says, I've given you my spirit who opens the eyes of your understanding so that the mysteries of God could be revealed to you, but it's not revealed to the natural man. What is he doing? He's sitting saying, I want to have partnership with you. I want to have relationship with you. I want to be at a place where the two of us can be related to one another. For too many years, I spent too long thinking that all of God and all of spirit was a mystery. And I kept waiting, hoping for some magical thing to happen and transformation would just take place and I would be a new person. And I prayed hard and I believed hard and I did all of this stuff really hard, but it's never happened. Because it's not a mystery. It's a mystery in him, but it's a mystery that as we partner with the Holy Spirit, where what he does is he takes the mysteries and the things of God and he begins to unfold them to us and he introduces them to us. And so what ends up happening is that knowledge is birthed. Not knowledge that comes from the natural man, but knowledge that comes from the Spirit. (coughs) Knowledge that comes from the Spirit. So I want to talk a little bit today about the nuts and bolts. Nuts and bolts. I used to discount them because I I always thought they were of the brain. But when you realize God's definition and where different things fall, it becomes so pertinent to who we are because those building blocks begin to form and establish how we develop our identity. It's like an engine. That's the way it works. What changes is the inputs. Either the inputs are of him and they're of spirit or they're of the natural man and coming from the environment. But you're going to end up with a different result depending on what you put into it. You understand that you are a rational being. I took a long time to digest that because every time I thought about rational being, I kept thinking about brain. But you're a rational being. And I'll show you how you're a rational being. As a spirit being, when you talk about rational, you have the capacity and the capability to be able to think, connect ideas in different ways. And the connecting of different ideas formulates something that we call understanding, our comprehension our in, uh, 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 of environments and people and things. That's what it forms on the inside of us. 
God has that exact capability. If it was something that was relegated to your brain, that's natural. God doesn't have a brain. God is spirit. But God has all the capacities of mind. He has the capacity to think, the capacity to feel, and the capacity to decide. We are rational beings, and that's not a bad thing. What God is saying is, I'm going to introduce you to who I am. And in that introduction, the knowledge that comes from that space is transformational. Because when you and I have come together, what you're going to be left with is a deeper love and appreciation for who I am, because you won't be the same. So... They've developed things nowadays called child safe tops, all kinds of stuff. They put it onto everything except chocolates and cookie jars. <laughs> Don't get the washing powder pods, but please eat all the cookies you like. Child safe. Child safe. So you take something that's child safe, and if you ever give something that's child safe to a toddler, what ends up happening is the toddler's going to take that and the toddler is going to try to open it. And the toddler's going to develop a plan and he's going to work on the plan to get it open. And the toddler's going to try and get it open and try and get it open and try and get it open. And the toddler, the more he tries to get it open, the more frustrated he's going to be because it's toddler safe. But eventually... The toddler's going to reach a point where he's going to be so frustrated that he's probably going to throw it down and he's going to say, well, somebody help me. And that's when mom runs to the rescue. And mom's like, let me show you how to do this. And so what does mom do? She kneels down and she takes the toddler's hand and she says, this is how it works. Let me show you. Put it on here. Push. Now, once you're pushing down, twist it a little. See, it's opening. See? What happened in that moment was a spiritual principle called Gnosko. Gnosko. What it means is this. It is a knowing that comes through experience or encounter. In that moment, the mom never said, okay, this is what you need to do. Here's a list, follow it. She never said, okay, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you the directions. What she said is, come here. Let the two of us come together and let the two of us sit down and let the two of us open it together. And in that opening, what ended up happening is there was knowledge that was imparted. All of a sudden, the toddler got it. If I push it down and I twist it, it opens. I got knowledge. And the knowledge that they got began to define their understanding. It's like, okay, I know how to do this. And all of a sudden, it was like, actually, if I see something like this again, I'm empowered because of my understanding to know exactly what to try and how to get that thing open. What happened? As a result of an encounter that developed knowledge, it translated into change. 
I was not the, I'm not the toddler now that I was five minutes ago. Five minutes ago, I was a toddler that had no clue how to do stuff like that, that frustrated the living daylights out of me. I couldn't get it done. And yet I had a Gnosko moment. I had a moment, an encounter with my mom where the two of us got together when we did something and I learned something. I gained some knowledge and that knowledge moved to his place where it gave redefinition to my understanding. And now where I am, bring on the next child lock thing. Let me see if I can get it open because I feel equipped to be able to do it. I have grown as a result of the encounter. When you're finished with your encounter with God, you will never be the same. Every time you encounter God, he never leaves you as he found you. Every time you encounter God, he will leave you bigger and more enabled and with a better definition of who you are, with a clearer understanding of who he is, more empowered to know that you can go out and you can tackle the things of life. Moments that come from him never leave us the way that we were. Proverbs chapter 19 verse 21 says, many are the plans of a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purposes that prevail. You know what this means? It means we all like to be toddlers. And as long as we want to live as a toddler, God will let us live in that space. We all want to adapt and we all want to have a perspective on what we think we should be doing in life and in situations and in circumstances. We all have developed a plan of how we're going to do this. And we get so caught up in our plan and we're living our plan. And the thing about it is our plan leaves us frustrated all too often because I'm exactly at the same place now that I was last week, last month, and last year. I haven't changed in any of those things. I'm still struggling with the same stuff. I find myself frustrated. Why? Because I'm working out the plan. I've got the plan, but I've never gone to him to sit and say, show me your purpose. Show me your purpose. As long as I try to live from the plan, you know what ends up happening? The plan makes sense to me. You know why? Because I'm seeing it like this. And when I'm going through life like this, and my plan is like this, it makes sense to me. Everybody else looking at you goes, what are you doing? But it makes sense because my perspective is off. My ability to comprehend what's going off was developed by my plan. And when I live from my plan, things don't always work out. But he never leaves us nor forsakes us. And so he says, you know what? When you're ready, when you're ready, come to me. Come to me and say, Father, you know what? I'm frustrated with this. Things aren't working the way that they should be. Show me the purpose. Show me the purpose. When I speak about showing me the purpose, it introduces me to the opportunity for him to come and meet us and do some stuff in our life that I'm never going to be able to experience as long as I'm living from my plan. His purpose becomes so important to us. Our plan gives us a distortion on life. Saul had pedigree. He could, in his ancestry, take himself back to the lineage of Abraham. He had the pedigree of coming from the house of David. He was trained. He had natural understanding, 
and he had more facts from the Bible than anybody else. At that point, he was about to write the New Testament, so it didn't exist. They just had the old. But he knew more facts about all of that stuff than anybody else. And he allowed that stuff to inform who he was. This was the problem. He took the things of God, and what he did was he allowed them into his being, naturally, read them, heard them, studied them, listened to them. But what ended up happening is, as a result of coming through his brain, it invited him to, into interpretation. So he took the things of God, and he interpreted them, and the result was that he ended up with a perspective that was skewed. He thought he was doing God's will by killing Christians. Anytime we take the things of God and we process them through our understanding, you're going to end up with a skewed perspective. Because what ends up happening is we are not solid and established. We have history, we have experiences, we have dispositions, and we're not whole and complete. So what ends up happening is we take the things of him which are pure, and it puts us at a place where we distort them and interpret them inaccurately. That's the difference between information and revelation. You see, with revelation, God owns revelation. And what he says is, with interpretation, you can go and get whatever fact you like. But the problem with it is, if you interpret it mis incorrectly, you can end up killing Christians. And you th not only killing them, you think you're working for God while you're doing it. Talk about being deluded. That's why revelation is so important, because revelation is something which comes from him. And what he says is, this is something that I'm going to take of myself, and I'm going to impart to you. And you have no place in it. I reveal it to you. You don't interpret it. He takes of himself, and he takes it, and he imparts it to us. And the Holy Spirit opens the eyes of our understanding, so that we get to see the truth for what it is. And in that space, it moves us to a place where we're able to take the truth and the reality of what he's imparting to us and allow that to give redefinition because it comes with purity and it comes with clarity. It comes with power and it comes with the ability to bring about change and transformation in who I am. But it's whole and it's pure. Saul is moving along. And he's committed and he's passionate about his life. His beliefs, his understanding, his convictions. Funnily enough, even his religious disposition. He believes he's completely grounded and rooted in God's favor. And he's on a mission. And while he's on a mission... With everything that he can control, everything that he owns, everything that he understands, all of his knowledge, all of his facts, all of his interpretation. And while he's on the road with all of this stuff, all of a sudden something happens. He meets God. He meets God. And it... It's something which is so earth-shattering and transformational for him 
that he begins to recognize the insignificance of everything up until that point. And he says in this moment, he looks at God and he says, who are you, Lord? There is a recognition and a a comprehension in that space of transformation. And the thing about it is, it makes him totally comfortable scribbling his history. He realizes none of that has any pertinence, any relevance, any significance in where he's going. And in Philippians, he talks about He purposes in himself to know him and the power of his resurrection. To know him and the power of his, what he's saying is, all my learning, all my facts, everything that used to undergird me, everything that established me, everything that gave me credibility, everything that made me feel good, everything that that gave me identity, all of a sudden in that space, wipe them all away. Because I've recognized I came face to face with him. We have too many Christians which have never had a moment. So we're living by all the stuff as we know. And it's burdensome. And it's hard. And it's religious. And I look really good. But there's no life. Because I've never met him. Everything in your Christian life starts when you meet him. When you meet him. If I was to give you, if you were to leave today with only one thing, let it be this. Meet him. Meet him. I'm not talking about being born again. That's important. But there are plenty of Christians who are born again, who've got the life of God on the inside of them. And the thing is, they're religious because they've never met him. I've never met him. But meeting him is so important. To know him. Do you know what he's talking about when he talks about no? It's Gnosko. What he's saying is, when I met him on the road, he did something in my life where he intervened. And when I met him, there was a transformation and a change that happened in me. And in that transformation, I recognized how inconsequential so much stuff was. But at the same time, I recognized the significance and the value of him. I want another one of those moments is what he's saying. He's saying, I want to live from encounters with God. I don't want to live from information. I want to live from encounters with God. Things that come in and things that affect who I am. Gnosko, knowledge, knowing that comes from encounter. In Luke chapter 1, God's word comes to Mary. It says, Mary, you will conceive and you will bear a child. And you will call his name Jesus. And they carry on in it. And Mary's response is interesting. Because she says, how can this be? Because I do not know a man. The word know there is gnosko. It speaks about a relationship that is so intimate, so intimate that it results in the birth of life inside of her. 
What she's saying is, I don't have that kind of relationship with a man. It's gnosko. What it's talking about is when we move our life to a place where we sit and say the most important thing in my life is to know him and I recognize the value of relationship. It's like I want to move into that space because when he and I spend time together, I'm going to conceive. I'm going to conceive. It's knowing. It is a sense of knowing that comes from encounter. The fruit of knowing is something called knowledge. God has a lot to say about knowledge. He's talking about the fruit of having spent time with him. Knowledge. Knowledge that comes from him. Have a look at Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7. I'm going to read out of the Amplified. The reverent fear of the Lord, that is, worshipping him and regarding him as truly awesome, is the beginning and the preeminent part of knowledge, its starting point and its essence. It's talking about knowledge. It's saying things are going to come from me. And when you get into that space and the two of us meet and knowing is produced, the result and the fruit of that is something called knowledge. Knowledge is important because knowledge is what defines my understanding. Knowledge is what defines my understanding. My knowledge is either going to come from him or I'm going to have carnal knowledge from the world. But knowledge is going to give definition to your understanding. Your understanding is important because the understanding is who you are. It's the building blocks to your life. It's my understanding is how I comprehend and how I view myself, how I perceive myself, how I look at life. Everything comes from my understanding. Your understanding is fundamental to everything. And when your understanding begins to be defined from the knowledge of him, it moves me to a place where I begin to understand and recognize that when I live from that place, I'm living from in him, I live and move and have my being. Everything starts with relationship. That's why it's the most fundamental thing. Because if I don't have relationship, I can't hear his voice. Proverbs, um, actually, let me get to that in a minute. I've got to hear his voice. And I only get to hear his voice when I'm with him. But if I've never met him, all I have is an understanding of who he is. If I've never met him, all I've got is a menu board, which speaks about a wonderful God and a good God and a God who loves you, a God who has a, a, a purpose for your life, who has a, an identity for who you're supposed to be. I'm looking at the menu, but I've never tasted and seen that the Lord is good. I can get excited about the menu board. I can salivate about the menu board, but I really want the steak on the plate. Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What he's saying is this, your natural man has to have sustenance because it sustains it. It helps it grow. It keeps it safe. It moves it to a place where it has everything, all the nutrients that it needs to be able to fulfill everything it's supposed to fulfill. But man shall not live by bread alone. He's sitting saying, I'm interested in who you are. 
but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He's talking about revelation. He's talking about himself. What he's saying is, I'm inviting you to have a Damascus Road experience with me. Because when you have the Damascus Road experience, you get to hear my voice. And when you hear my voice, you get to participate in revelation. Revelation. Uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Let me break this down a little bit. Wisdom is the application of understanding. Wisdom is the ability to know how to take my understanding and apply it in a meaningful way. You know what it's a synonym for? Walk in the Spirit. What it's saying is this. When you spend time with Christ and you allow Him, you get to know Him. Knowledge comes from Him. Spiritual knowledge. Because the Holy Spirit opens the eyes of our understanding. And as a result of knowledge coming in, knowledge becomes the building blocks to our understanding. And when His knowledge begins to inform the building blocks to my life, I'm building my house on the rock. And when I'm building my house on the rock and I begin to live from that space and He gives me the wisdom and the understanding to be able to live from that place because my eyes are open. My perspective on life becomes so much clearer. I'm able to read things in a way that I wasn't able to read before. I'm able to understand people in different ways. I'm understanding, I'm able to have a perception and an appreciation for who God is because it's coming from a pure place, a place defined by who he is. All of a sudden, when I step and I begin to live by wisdom, I'm walking in the spirit. I'm walking in what he's imparted to me. It changes my being. I suddenly find parts of my life begin to get conformed to who he is. It's the whole story of vine and branches. Vine and branches always sounded really good to me. And I got the principle behind it, but I didn't know how it worked. But that's how it works. It works through relationship. What he say, what, what God's inviting us to is develop a sacred place. A place where you and I come together. Because in the secret place, what ends up happening is you hear my voice. Knowledge comes. Understanding is made new. And what ends up happening is as you begin to live from new understanding, understanding that is underscored and birthed from my substance, you begin to walk from that. I begin to walk in the spirit. I expect things in, in the way that God sees them. I interpret them the way God sees them. I begin to see myself as an agent to do certain things because he's invited me into it. Sorry, I'm trying to move along a little bit. The, the, the most challenging thing, just give me a minute, I've got to prepare. Um, the scariest part about Saul's encounter was that he came to a place when he met God, he suddenly recognized and he found himself in an interesting space. And he had to make a choice about what he wanted to do. Because the thing is, everything that constituted his identity came from his past. But everything that was going to redefine his future was lying ahead of him. And so to go ahead with God is a scary thing. 
Because what it means is there is a vulnerability that comes in. Because I'm stepping beyond the threshold of everything that I used to be. And I'm stepping into the, uh, the, the realization and the humility of the fact that I don't know who I am. I thought I knew who I was. I thought I knew what I believed. I thought I knew what I understood. I thought so much stuff. But if this is anything to go by, it makes me realize that everything that I've had probably is in the same boat. So I'm in a place where I'm looking for redefinition. I'm looking for newness. I'm looking for transformation. So I really don't know who I am. And because he recognized that truth, he actually went off with the Holy Spirit into the desert for a couple of years. He was like, I can't do it because I don't know who I am. I'm not equipped to live it because I don't know who I am. Colossians 3 verse 10. And have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge. Knowledge. The new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. How is he renewed? Knowledge. Knowledge. What he's saying is, I'm taking you back to what it's all about. I'm taking you back to the place where you and I come into relationship with one another because the words that I give to you are spirit and they are life. The flesh profits nothing. I'm giving you spirit and life. Um, oh. Okay, l- let me paraphrase this and I'll, I'll go through it again. Um, maybe next week because I'm just, I'm running out of time. You were made in his image. Your destiny is to be conformed to his image. We are creatures that find our identity in imaging. We are creatures that define, that, that, that discover our, our identity in imaging. That's why God gave you an imagination. The word for imagination in the Hebrew, and I'm probably going to totally botch this, but anyway, is Yes, sir. Y-E-S-E-R. Yes, sir. And basically what it means is imagination and the Hebrew interpretation for it is the potter molding clay. You see, when you get together with God and he speaks, the words out of his mouth are rhema. And so when he speaks, what ends up happening is is he gives us revelation. What is revelation? Revelation is that place that is defined by God's presence in my life. It's who he is. It's a part that he invites us into and to participate in. It's how God comes and makes himself known to us through Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. It is the place of encounter. Revelation is the place of encounter. Every time I get revelation and I hear the voice of God, I've just got something called faith. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Peter sitting in the boat. 
And he's going along and there's a storm carrying on and Jesus comes walking on the water and he says, let me come to you. Blah, 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 blah. And what does Jesus say? He says, well, Peter, wait. Why did he wait? Because it doesn't matter what I want to do. It doesn't matter what I would like to do. It doesn't matter what I think I should be doing. It doesn't matter how hard I try really hard to muster up the belief for it. The thing is, unless he says, come, you're going down, buddy. He was waiting. Why? Because he had to hear come. What did, what did come mean? Come was a word. God, Jesus opened his mouth. And what he was saying was, I'm giving you revelation. I'm giving you faith. It's an impartation from me to you. It's a commitment that I'm saying to you. If you step out of the boat, I will endorse and make sure that you're okay. That's why faith is of God. It's not of me. We've been taught for so long, try and build up your confidence as much as you can. And if you haven't got it yet, it's just because you haven't built up your belief enough. Keep believing harder. Nowhere in the Bible does that happen. Nowhere. Abraham became the father of many nations because Jesus, because God said to him, you will be. Mary conceived because she got the word of God. Jesus, uh, uh, Peter stepped on the water because Jesus said to him, Come. The leper had his hand healed because Jesus said, stretch out your hand. Every time you see something happening in the Bible, it's because there was an invitation. There was something that came out of either from God in heaven or from Jesus. Why? Because it's an impartation. Anytime I get revelation, I get something called faith, an impartation from him. Gideon is sitting out and he's threshing wheat because he's, the Midianites are going to get him and kill him and his life is over and he's so terrified and he's living in fear. And what does the Lord say when he arrives there? The first thing is the word of the Lord comes to him and says, Gideon, you man of Ella. Why? Because he met with the word of God in that place. There was revelation. Revelation brings faith. Faith is a truth that is revealed to you that is not available to your senses. It's a truth that comes from him and it is so profound that it's something that you can stand on, something that you can act on, and something that will sustain you even though your entire world and your environment and everything else is against it. Why? Because it came from him. Not because I mustered up the confidence to do it. He told me something. He gave me something. And when he gave it to me, it began to flood my imagination. And I began to see myself certain ways. What happened? The Holy Spirit opened the eyes of my understanding. And as I began to look, the potter began to work. And the potter took the things that I'm looking at. And he's sitting saying, I'm going to affect your reasoning so that you're going to be able to comprehend and you're going to leave the space with knowledge, a sense of knowing about who I am. So you're going to be able to reason it out. But he doesn't just touch your reasoning. He touches your emotions. It's not good enough to say step on the water when my and reason in, is saying Jesus said it, but my emotions are in contradiction. You'll always go with your emotions. It doesn't matter what you think. What your emotions tell you, you'll always run with. 
He doesn't just bring enlightenment to my reasoning so that I get a sense of knowing that translates into knowledge, but he touches my emotions. So the fear and the apprehension that I had, what ends up happening is I look at the potter and the potter takes that and begins to take fear and works it away and changes it and brings in confidence. Why? Because when my confidence and my reasoning come together, I have something called revelation knowledge. Revelation knowledge is profound because when revelation knowledge begins to inform my understanding, I'm living from God stuff. I don't care about anything else anymore. Get out of the way. I'm stepping over the boat. Why? Because everything that's inside of me has been birthed of him. It is him that's alive on the inside of me. And because of that, it changes the way that I live. It changes the way that I see. It changes my confidence to deal with stuff. It makes me realize that it doesn't matter what's happening in my environment or my world. Your future is going to be fine because I've got him with me. He's looking for us to live from a different place. When I walk in the spirit, it's because he is so alive on the inside of me. I have such a conviction. I have such a a transformation in terms of who I am that I don't live from the old man anymore. I'm living from the new man. Um. Ephesians 1.17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Can I just read two scriptures for you then, and then you can go. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit, uppercase S, Okay, he's talking about Holy Spirit there. But we have received the Holy Spirit who is from God. That we know, oh, no, that's not what I want to read. Sorry, I'm lying. I did that one. Isaiah 11 verse 2. Isaiah 11 verse 2. I'm keeping Don on her toes. The Spirit, uppercase S, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of uh, on uh, the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and strength the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the lord all three of those spirits are lowercase s's he's not talking about the holy spirit what he's saying is this the spirit of the lord will rest on those people who have the spirit of wisdom the spirit of understanding the spirit of counsel the spirit of strength the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the lord what he's talking about is he's talking about the anointing The Holy Spirit will rest on those places in my life that are redefined by who he is. Okay, one last one then. You really can go, I promise. (laughs) Ephesians 4, verse 17 and 18. And then I'm going to jump to 22 to 24. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Say, thank goodness I'm not a Gentile. Gentile, I'm not walking that way anymore. In the futility of their minds. You know why it's futile? Because they're using it for the wrong reasons. They're feeding it from the brain, everything natural. They've never recognized the value of actually taking the mind and committing it and dedicating it to the influence of God. Having their understanding, the foundation of your identity 
darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. God loves you so much. He's created an opportunity for you at a very practical level to recognize the fact that I may be in the world, but I'm not of the world. I may be living in the space, but I can promise you the opportunity for me to live life of a superior nature rests squarely on my ability to be able to connect with him. When we talk about the spirit realm, it's not all weird, airy, fairy stuff. The most important thing that you need to know is this. God is there. It's just the nature of who he is. All he's saying is, come and meet with me. Don't do it with your brain. Recognize that it's your heart. It's your spirit being. He communicates with us spirit to spirit. But as we seek out that place and we, we discover that, it introduces us to becoming new creations in him. He's going to make impartations to us which are pure and which are clear, which are transformational. They're going to be in conflict with how you feel and with your environment and how everything else is around you because he really isn't concerned about that. He's just concerned about your future being affected and influenced by him. Your reality is not as consequential to God as his truth because he sees you as agents of change and he recognizes that if I live from the words that he gives me and I allow those things to redefine the understanding, which is the building blocks to my identity, I'll begin to live from who he is. And as I begin to live from who he is, I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit to take those things that he's given me and to live them out in my life, living in the expectation that the Holy Spirit has influence in those spaces. See, if you came for the last two minutes, you could have just got that and been like, yeah, it's done. Can we all stand, please? Just before we leave, I want to extend an invitation to people. I want to pray for you. You may be born again, but you've never discovered the secret place. You've never heard his voice. It's okay. It's just part of the journey. But if you're one of those people and you'd like for me to pray for you, I'd like for you to come up here. I'm going to pray for you. For everybody else, let me just pray for you right now. Father, what a wonderful God you are. I thank you that we're never the same when we meet you. You change us and you transform us. You introduce your life to us. 
I thank you for what you're doing in each person's life here today. Let us lean not to our own understanding, Lord, but in all our ways let us acknowledge you. Let us always go back to the secret place. Holy Spirit, speak to us there. Give us your knowledge, your understanding. Make us new. I thank you that in the week that lies ahead, I want to thank you, Father, for people who are never the same. I thank you, Father, for a new generation of people, people who live from intimacy with you, whose lives, whose vision, whose perspective, and whose influence are changed because of who you are. I bless you for it now. In Jesus' name, amen.